fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal, acting as your lead blocker to fantasy championships, glory, uh, trophies, whatever, not getting a tattoo, whatever you want to call it. We're doing that for you. I'm, of course, your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the wolf of Roto Street himself. And this is our week eight Thursday night football countdown slash preview show. And it's great to be here. Um, I'm wearing a hoodie today because it's I'm in my basement and it's freezing. It's finally oh, yeah. actually gotten cold. Um, and all this whole year when it was hot, I was like, man, I wish it was cold. And now it's actually cold. And I'm like, man, I wish it was hot. So <laughs> never going to be satisfied. Wolf, how you doing? Grass is always greener, brother. That's for sure. I'd be doing a whole hell of a lot better if Devontae Adams was playing tonight, oh. given that I stack Rodgers and Adams. Now I'm freaking out. I'm getting paranoid. Do I bench Rodgers because he has no weapons and it's a good pasty? I won't. I'm I'm, I'm known to get way too cute, and I'd be getting way too cute if I do that. But, man, it's it's giving me panic attacks already, and the night hasn't even begun. But other than that, I'm doing great. Good to see you. (laughs) Good to see you, too. Um, Yeah, you said it. Devontae Adams out with COVID. We knew that a while ago, and we thought, oh, Alan Lazard, he's going to be valuable. Well, he's out, too, for similar reasons. I think he's unvaccinated. Um, and then we were like, well, maybe MVS will get off IR. No. And now we're dealing with a weapons cabinet that is not exactly full. So right. what, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I'm sure there's going to be people with similar dilemmas as the one you're facing right now going into Monday night football or Thursday night football. I mean, yeah, it's tricky because Rogers has truly just about no one to throw to. And he's done more than okay when he's in these situations in the past. He's somehow almost seems to get better when he has crap to throw to just because he wants to like show off. So maybe just maybe that will be the case. I really hope so. But it is a Cardinals defense that's given up the third fewest points to quarterbacks already. So it wasn't like it was a great matchup. We do know they the, the one positive will be they'll put up their points. The Packers will need points. So that could work in his favor. But yeah, it's going to be hideous. And now let's look at those weapons. Who can you actually start and trust tonight? I mean, Randall Cobb is, of course, the first one. He's 35% rostered right now. A very viable wide receiver three at this point. Uh, it's not bi-week hell by any means this week, but I think there's most lineups could benefit from having Cobb in there. He's probably going to be the number one. He's the guy that Rodgers certainly has the most trust with because behind him it's like Equinemia St. Brown and Amari Rodgers. And I'm actually pretty intrigued by this Rodgers kid. Third-round rookie. I really liked him coming in. I think he's a great fit as a slot weapon. I wonder what they'll do in terms of are they going to move Cobb outside? Like who's going to be on the outside? Who's even in the lineup? I'm not sure. We'll find out in that sense. It is a mess. I would like to stash Rodgers. I think you can play Cobb pretty confidently. He's my wide receiver 40, so let us know. I think a lot of our sit-start questions will probably be Randall Cobb-based. That's my guess. I, I, you know, Maybe you stash St. Brown. I don't really think he's worth it. I think Rodgers is certainly the more intriguing stash. And then Tunyon, right? Robert Tunyon, what happens at tight end? My tight end 11, he could be the biggest red zone threat for this team. I would have him maybe six spots higher if he wasn't facing the Cardinals, who have been by far the hardest matchup for, for tight ends. And it's not just a random fluke thing. Isaiah Simmons, they drafted him to face off with Kittle and all these other beastly tight ends in their division. And he is the tight end eraser. I mean, he just, they lock him on tight ends and they do nothing. 
and we've seen Tanyan disappear for pretty much the entire year outside a handful of big games. I, I mean, yes, you probably have to play him if you have him because the targets could be phenomenal, but it is still a big risk because he's facing Simmons and he's been such a disappearing act himself already. That's my kind of take on the whole pass catching core. Do you think I sounded off about any of it? Like, what are your thoughts, Nat? My thoughts are like this is going to be a real test. You know, I saw an interesting stat, and I'm not sure the time frame that this covered, but I saw that Rodgers is six and zero without. Devonte Adams, uh, and I don't know if that's—I don't know if that's the last year, two years, whatever. Um, Since 2019, I, I think I. Yeah, saw him. I mean, yeah. so I don't know. I mean, I, to me, once I saw Adams was out, this is before I even knew Lazard and MVS were going to be out. I was like, man, that's a huge blow to the Packers. Maybe wow. not as big of a blow as I think. I don't know. You know, what's hey, interesting hey. to to me. I mean, these teams are on a 13 game winning streak between them. The Packers got embarrassed in Week One. They haven't lost since. Uh, Cardinals are seven and zero, and it really kind of seems like no one's treating them like they're a seven and zero team. Does that right. kind of feel the same way to you? Yeah, I don't even like when you tell me they're seven zero. It's like, oh shit, yeah, that's right. They're the best team in the NFL right now. I mean, it doesn't. It is very surprising to be honest, and I don't consider them a seven and zero team. But here they are. Their defense yeah. is probably more surprising than anything at this point. How well they've been playing? Yes, uh, yeah. I mean they beat the Rams, which to me. Was, right. That was that was their big game. That's so I don't know. As you know, as far as the Packers wide receiving core you're talking about, Cobb interests me. I wouldn't really touch anybody else. I mean, you know, yeah. you can be intrigued by Amari Rogers or whatever if you want. I would have to be in pretty dire straits uh, as far as my fantasy team went to think about starting somebody like that. That's about as big a yeah. hail mary crapshoot as you can do. The stat you gave on Tanyan's interesting. Uh, we'll see if that that trend continues today. You're Absolutely. also interested. You say Chase Edmonds must start. Make your case for that. Yeah, and it's with a question mark because I don't think it's 100% must start, but he's right on the cusp of my top 20 running backs. So in most leagues, he should be in lineups. I'm just very intrigued. We talked about this on Monday, Nat, where he saw 15 carries. That is the first time he's outcarried Connor in a few weeks. It was also hand-in-hand hand with the first time he's practiced in full in the last two and a half weeks. So that is intriguing to me that he has kind of reclaimed the, the vast majority of snaps. He was right around a 65% snap share. Still, of course, the best pass-catching back. This could be more of a Connor game if they're getting ahead. He's certainly still the guy in the red zone, but we actually saw Edmonds play more red zone snaps. Goal line, I guess, is the Connor role. But red zone action, we're getting Chase Edmonds in there. Maybe he breaks one. Maybe he catches a red zone receiving touchdown. He was great at that last year. I could see him being uh, having himself a big night. So if you have a question about Chase Edmonds and your running backs, let me know. But uh, there's a good chance I'll be leaning towards Edmonds there. And Wolfpack, we're going to continue to move on. But if you've got a thumb then give it to us. Give us that thumbs up, baby. Uh, help get, us get that thumb out of your people. ass and uh, give <laughs> us a thumbs up, right? <laughs> give us that click. Let us know you're here. Uh, shoot us those questions. As always on Thursday, We this seems like a lighter Thursday to start, but continue to share it out, help the pack grow, and continue to support the show. That would be amazingly appreciated. So thank you again for being here, Wolfpack. Help us get out to more people. Right. All right. So we're going to get into the Mark Ingram trade, which is actually generating a fair amount of buzz, which mm-hmm. – more than I expected. I mean, in my league, you know, there's been people picking up guys and wondering on the value of Ingram and then David Johnson and Philip Lindsay and all those, you know, kind of fringe guys that really haven't been worth much at all. Do you see that changing with the trade of Ingram? I think it can actually change. I've gotten a ton of questions, so I did want to make sure to give, you know, a handful of minutes, two to three minutes here on the situation because I've gotten a ton of David Johnson questions, Mark Ingram, all that good stuff. Let's start with 
the Texans and, and where Mark Ingram has left behind. Well, one, they want to have one of the biggest ground pies in the league. They're averaging just a, sh- a hair shy of 20 fantasy points as a backfield. So if somebody, let's say David Johnson, takes over 60 to 70% of that workload, it might not be too uh, invaluable here. That, that could actually be something low-end RB2, maybe even mid-range there. Aaron Wilson of Sports Talk 790 says he expects them to quote-unquote feature David Johnson since this trade happened. And, you know, I still, in this offense, might not be all that sexy. But when Tyler <laughs> Taylor was healthy, that I don't know if you remember those first two weeks, they smashed the Jags in week one, and they were on pace to beat the Browns when Tyrod was healthy. They put up 14 points in the first half. Uh, I think they scored more points in those first two games, first game and a half, in those those quarters than they have in all the quarters combined since Davis Mill took over. At least pathetic. Absolutely pathetic where this offense has been. But when Tyrod's back there, it is certainly a more capable pass attack. And Tim Kelly is still the offensive coordinator. There was a span last year. I still even can't believe this, that David Johnson in December scored more points than Derrick Henry. He was the number two running back in fantasy sure. across December. He had 24, 28, and 21 fantasy points playing 79, 92, and 96% of the snaps. Now, that's not David Culley, the head coach's style. He likes his committees. But if he can approach that 65, 70% snap rate, it's not like this David Johnson's any different than the one that was out there. It was all volume. He might see some good touches here. When you go from three-headed, three-headed you can't touch, three-headed backfield, but a two-headed one, specifically one that you know the guy's catching passes and it's going to be pretty involved in the early down stuff. I do think David Johnson, at only 35% rostered entering today, should be you know, on about 50% at least of rosters. He got a big boost, in my opinion. Are Am I crazy? Is he just dust that? Nothing that you said is inherently crazy. But, man, I just don't believe in it. I mean, you know, when yeah. we talk about being the featured back in Houston, I don't, I mean, I, I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's awful. I don't know. I mean, look, I can't – like when you say David Johnson outscored Derrick Henry in last December, like you're not lying. And at the same time, I'm not moved. <laughs> no, I, I certainly am not sprinting out to get these guys or advocating him. And Philip Lindsay, I mean, they quote expected to bump his workload up. And no shit. Like, obviously, I'm not overreacting to that at all. I still, he's one of the lowest graded uh, backs in every single metric this year. I'm not touching him at this point. But I do think David Johnson, who's seen the snap share increase throughout the year, now should dramatically take another step forward. I could see him carving out some value. And certainly this week, if you have a David Johnson question, it, it, it became yeah. a lot better for him. On the other side of things, Mark Ingram, I mean, it's obviously, you don't need me to spell out the fact this is a better offense, but this is also not the Saints offense he was part of when he was like the running back six and forming this dynamic duo with uh, Alvin Kamara. It's not that situation by any means. So yes, he's in a better situation in, in the team sense, but it's not that incredible and it certainly volume wise is going to take a huge hit because Ingram was that lead back there averaging what like 3.2 pathetic yards of carry awful stuff I guess it dings Kamara a little bit given that he was on pace for 323 carries that was his career high by a mile I mean he set his career high time and time again this season in terms of carries but I also think this could open him up a bit and Nick Underhill one of our favorite beat writers friend of the pod said that this is going to allow them to move Kamara around the field, get him more looks as an outside receiver and from the slot. And we all know, we harp on this stat incredibly amounts that a target is worth 2.84 times a carry. That is insane. 
Uh, I, I think this ultimately, I don't think Kamara is going to be impacted. In fact, maybe this helps mode that we saw him finally get used like oh, Alvin Kamara on Monday night football. Got he had like 115 yards in the first half. Receiving. And like, yeah. And receiving right. Ten, I think he ended up with 10 catches on 11 targets. Like why we haven't been using him like Alvin Kamara all year. I don't know, but we saw that role. I think that role continues to flourish now that Ingram's there to do a little bit of the grunt work in, the, in between the tackles. I don't think that's all that negative for Kamara. It's not impacting my season long ranking of him in any stretch. All right, guys, we're going to get into the injuries. We're going to go back and forth and we're going to do our uh, by position, higher, lower, Hail Mary must watch. And then we're going to be finished in time to hit your questions. See, we've already got a few 15, 16, 17 questions so far. Get that up. Well, I mean, um, we usually get like a hundred yeah. questions on a Thursday night. Get that up. Get the thumbs up. These are two good teams too. Games. There should be yeah, some this interest is an in this. Exciting Thursday night game, baby. Let's also, get this rolling. So give us a like, uh, or a love or, uh, you know, whatever you can do to show a laughing your face. Yeah. Yeah. Give us an angry face. I don't even care. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Me. We're going to start out with quarterbacks and Browns coach, Kevin Stefanski expecting Baker Mayfield dealing with a shoulder injury to quote unquote, do everything in practice today. Uh, he said there's a possibility he's able to play in week eight against the Steelers and Mayfield was supposedly looking good in practice on Thursday. I mean, it's just, I guess, a benefit to the weapons. It is a stronger arm, but I don't think there's that much of a drop-off between him and Case Keenum. You're not using either of them in fantasy unless you're in desperation to QB league mode, but it wouldn't hurt the weaponry to have Baker Mayfield, who has had his glimpses here this year. It doesn't change much for me, though. Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy did say Dak Prescott will participate in individual days, uh, drills the past couple days. He does seem on pace. It is a Sunday night game, so you'd have to have a backup plan should this not gain more clarity heading into it. But ultimately, Dak's looking ready to go for what I think is going to be a great shooting shooting out uh, Vikings contest there. Cowboys-Vikings love that Sunday night game coming up. And Tyrod Taylor, as we spoke before, the Texans have designated him to return from IR. And let me tell you something, folks. Tyrod Taylor returning to the Texans is the difference between the Texans being like one of the worst teams ever to just a bad team. To, so, to the worst team of this year. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, let's look forward. I mean, all kidding aside, Tyrod Taylor's had some really bad luck. Man. He really has injury-wise. But he did have 23 fantasy points in week one. He had 17 in the first half against the Browns. Like, I'm not sitting here saying you roll the guy out quite yet. But, hey, if you're in a two-QB league, uh, you could potentially stash him at least and see what he does. It's certainly at worst – Helps Brandon Cooks a ton, who saw like 10-plus targets in both his games with Tyrod. Having an actual QB throwing him the rock certainly won't hurt. Now and on Mitch, to running. Mitch, thanks for the sticker already. Thank you, oh, buddy. What a legend. What a legend. I love it. Uh, running back. Let's continue on now. Joe Judge is optimistic. Barkley will return to practice on Friday. Something to certainly monitor. They do play Monday night, which makes this whole situation. We're going to talk about Giants receivers in a little bit, too. It's just such a mind fuck because obviously Barkley's right there in your top 12 running backs that he plays. Chiefs, an easy matchup. Giants are, are cooking on offense a, a little bit. At least certainly better than last year. It's worth waiting it out, I think. As I hope you have, you know, Devonte or Devonta Booker should you have to wait this one out because otherwise it is pretty tough. There's not a whole ton of options there for Monday night. But, man, yeah, he's optimistic, and it's probably worth waiting out and seeing what happens. Antonio Gibson, uh, shin issue. He's dealing with that same thing that he's been dealing with for a little while now. He was limited for Thursday's practice. I feel like the Antonio Gibson owners are facing kind of a new reality. Yeah, It's like 
we're maybe not going to see that many practices for the rest of the year from this guy that aren't limited in some way. And it seems like he's not an RB one and maybe a low end RB two and maybe a flex guy. What do you think? Yeah, it's pretty hideous. I mean, honestly, McKissick might be the better player at this point for fantasy because he is banged up. There's every single week. There's the risk of it getting aggravated him coming out and hitting the bike. The player's incredible when he's healthy, but he just hasn't been all year. It's been pretty damn clear about that. Plus, the defense has been so damn bad that he hasn't gotten a single positive script yet to allow him to flourish, and I don't think that changes this week. Miles Sanders, week to week, uh, and so it's not a shock that he's not practicing here on Thursday. Sucks because they have Detroit on the radar. Would have been one of those, finally, if you have a Miles Sanders owner, get some usefulness out of him, but nope. Not going to probably happen. We'll talk about Kenneth Gainwell and those guys in a little bit, but both of them pretty good lineup locks. Uh, him and Boston Scott as a streamer could be in lineups this week. All right, talking wide receivers, Antonio Brown did not practice in uh, on Thursday, which is an ankle issue. As you guys know, he didn't play last week. It's looking pretty unlikely that he's going to play this week. Before he got ruled out last week, you actually had those three buck receivers in a stack, like 10, 11, 12, and you actually had Brown on top of the stack. Um, we got to see what those guys could do when there's only two of them instead of three. It looks like they might be in that same situation this week. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, Evans, huge touchdown upside. Now, he will be matched up against Lattimore, who has reduced him uh, the last few games to mediocre at best, but he's had a couple blow-ups against him. This is a different Tom Brady this year. I really think uh, Evans, Godwin, of course, their lineup locks. And, of course, Gronk, when we talk about him in a little bit, Returning to the lineup won't hurt as well. This does sound like it could be a long-term injury. We want to note that with Antonio Brown. Uh, Bruce Arians commented in the sense that this could linger. They do have the bye coming up next week, so maybe they rest. I, I, there's no way Antonio Brown's going to play this week, in my opinion. I agree. I, think, I agree. I think they go into the bye, let him rest another week. I just wouldn't be shocked if this ends up being even longer than that. So keep that monitored. He was on a crutch as of last Wednesday. Now we move on to the Giants receivers. And again, Monday Night Football – very tricky, but it's also one of those things that is kind of worth waiting out for because of how bad the Chiefs' defense is. At least we know this. Sterling Shepard did practice today. He's feeling good right now. Uh, he seems like he's going to be the most likely to go, and we'll talk about him higher, lower, Hail Mary. I love him if he's playing. I, I absolutely love him. We'll talk about why a little bit later. Meanwhile, we did not see either practice, Kenny Galladay or Kadarius Tony, but Coach Joe, Joe Judge said he's pretty optimistic. Whoa, yay. Thank you, Joe. Uh, that they will play. If either one's in the lineup, I still, again, the Chiefs are that bad that any of these guys are viable. It also impacts, you know, is Darius Slayton streamable? I've seen him on a ton of waiver wires. Would be a great play should those two miss the game, but otherwise might be reduced to the fourth or fifth option here. Optimism abound for these guys maybe practicing Friday, them, Barkley. Who knows what's going to happen, uh, but certainly worth waiting out and seeing if you can. All right, Terry McLaurin dealing with an ankle issue, did not practice Wednesday. I'm not sure what he did today. Um, he had been battling hamstring issues. This one is relatively new. To his credit, he hasn't missed any actual game time yet. Uh, so it's basically just to keep an eye on thing, right? Yeah, he'll probably play. My guess is he will. He might be a little dinged up. To me, this is there are some leagues. I'm in one where I have to decide between like Mike Williams and McLaurin. This could be your tiebreaker. If you're in one of those types of leagues, you're just stacked. I have Cup. I have Debo. I have Mike Williams, I have McLaurin. I just somehow got all these sick-ass receivers. It's amazing, but I, oh, every week it's a fucking headache. Mm -hmm. This might be the deciding factor for me. And that's it. And speaking of Debo Samuel, he did return, return to practice after not practicing Wednesday uh, with this new calf injury. But it sounds like he's good to go. The guy has been the definite wide receiver one on this team. 
all season long, and I don't see any reason that should stop against a Bears team giving up the fourth most points to receivers. Julio Jones dealing with a hamstring issue of his own did not practice on Thursday. This guy's stock has really plummeted, huh? Yeah, he, there's just not enough volume for him, given what a hog that we have in Derrick Henry and then A.J. Brown returning. You'll get a blow up here or there maybe this year. I don't know. We haven't seen it yet. He probably This kind of has become the routine. He sits Wednesday, Thursday, and then practices limited on Friday and then ends up getting in there and doing nothing. That's probably what's going to happen again this week. T.Y. Hilton on the other side of that game did get upgraded to a limited practice after not being on the field on Wednesday. I don't think that you can trust him quite yet. He did have a big game against the Texans. This is a Titans team giving up the most points to receivers. So I guess if he's in there, maybe a streamer. This is just more so impacting Michael Pittman, who's been an absolute hog, 20 points in two of his last three games. But the third game was when T.Y. Hilton was back and he took a back seat to Hilton. So this could impact who's become the alpha Michael Pittman should Hilton be in there. Cowboys wide receiver Michael Gallup dealing with a calf injury of his own and has been on the IR is off the IR. And he actually did practice on Wednesday, assuming that means he also practiced today. Uh, We haven't seen him since week one when he had four grabs for 36 yards. Yeah. And it's still such a congested thing. I have him in my IR right now. I'm, you know, I guess he's worth kind of being on a roster. I feel like there's really a rush to get him back. I don't know. I suppose you could be super, super desperate, but man, the receiver pools deep. It's so deep. And on that team, think about it. CD lamb, Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz, who's been some 25% target share. Zeke's been catching balls. And then you got Zeke and Pollard. You're looking at Gallup at probably fourth or fifth on the target totem pole at best. Without an injury, I don't know that this guy is going to ultimately be all that great. I think he's an amazing talent. I'm so excited that he's a free agent next year. Very intrigued to see where he lands. But as his things stand, even with 58 pass attempts in week one, the season high for this team, he went four for 36. And that's kind of what you're expecting. Four for 36 was a great four grabs. I mean, they were toe tappers yeah. on the sideline, content, like all the things you love about him. But four for 36 is a fantasy. You don't get bonus points for flash. And that's all that matters at this point. Jarvis Landry did return to practice after not practicing Wednesday. He guaranteed he's going to be out there Sunday. And I'm slightly intrigued. The fact that he saw eight targets in the last week, that's led the team with that. Nothing, all that sexy came of it. Five for, I believe, 38 yards, like the low A dot, all that stuff that you know of Landry. But the Steelers do get the fifth most points to receivers, particularly vulnerable to slot guys. That's obviously where Landry's going to be. Uh, there's in my top 40 receivers. He's right around there with Randall Cobb this week, I would say. Uh, on the tight end side, and this is our only tight end of note we're going to be talking about, Gronk has practiced for the second straight day on Thursday. He was limited, but that's kind of what we expected. Looks extremely likely that he will be playing in the week eight matchup against the Saints. And I would imagine he will be catapulted to a top five tight end spot at least, right? Yep. We'll talk about him in higher, lower Hail Mary, because apparently right now I'm the only person ranking him within my top five. What? I have no qualms starting this guy. He's in my top three. A little preview there. He's in my top three. Why? I well, all right. We'll talk about it when we get to tenants. That, that doesn't make any sense to me that you're the only makes guy. Makes no sense at all, guys. And we got now 33 people. Okay, we're getting the usual Thursdays. They're starting to wake up. They're starting to get here. Maybe you can have a beer with us. Love to see it. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up button. Continue to get the crowd going. Continue to get the crowd going. Yeah. Hit the thumbs up button. So Do um, it. It sounds like we've already had a couple of super chats. Thank you, Mitch, and people sharing stuff. Awesome stuff. As always, when we get to your questions, if you want to do that for us, we'll, of course, nail your options. But first, we're going to hit our higher, lower, and Hail Mary, baby. All right. QBs, obviously, that's where we're going to start. It's worth noting, before you had even made your list, I had checked the Rotor Street Journal rankings yesterday. You and the experts don't really disagree on much. As a matter of fact, you go all the way down to Sam Darnold. He's your 15th guy. 
he's the first guy that you are more than one away from the experts one way or another on. So this is uh, not a list where the wolf and the expert consensus is super different. This guy, there was a four difference on. You've got Darnold as your 15th. That's four spots higher than the experts. But that's as big as the discrepancies get on this list. Yeah, exactly. Pretty lean, efficient QB ranking this week. And really this season, it's been kind of tough to separate and figure out what QBs I want to stake my flag in. I guess it's Darnold this week. Of course, a huge risk to put your flag in there, given he's been 9-16 and three points last week against the Giants. Got benched. Just absolutely atrocious. You hate to see it. There is the, I mean, that's why it's like, he's QB 15. Hopefully you don't have to start him, but a lot of people are out there wondering for flyers. He gets Atlanta, the third most points allowed to QBs each and every week. We just saw two bomb these guys for four touchdowns. It's kind of become my hire. It's like a fringe QBs facing the Falcons. That was two last week for us. That panned out. Maybe Darnold can get that groove back. He was the number five QB in fantasy through the first three weeks because of the matchups. This is as juicy of a matchup as you can get. He might be broken at this point. Certainly looks it, but if he's ever going to reframe it, re get it on, re get this thing back on track, it's going to be against the Atlanta Falcons. Well, the other side of that game, you're taking Matt Ryan against the Panthers as your QB 16, too lower than the experts. Again, not much of a discrepancy, but for this week, that's about as good as we're going to get. Why do you like Ryan a little less than the experts? Yeah, it's just, I mean, he's been great these last few weeks, top five PFF grade across his last three. Fantasy wise, it seems like this offense is starting to click. Like to see all that, 29, 22, and 18 across his last three. But the Panthers are a damn good defense. They're allowing the third fewest, I believe, two signal calls. Let me scroll down and just double-check that. They've risen actually a little bit to be more uh, more generous. They're actually in the middle of the pack, 15th. Lately, they've been getting beat pretty good. But Stephon Gilmore might be back this week. That changes up the secondary completely, if that is the case. I, I don't know. I don't buy Matt Ryan quite yet. Yes, he's had three good weeks in a row, and it seems like, yes, this offense is finding its stride. But early on, that was hideous. You know, seven points in week one, 16 against the, the Giants. I just think I'd rather, if I'm down this low, I'd rather roll the dice and go for Sammy Darnold, go for the rushing touchdowns, and let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, Hail Mary, Teddy Bridgewater against the Washington football team. 26% rostered. Seems like a pretty good matchup. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great matchup. It's the best matchup. Nobody's given up more points than the Washington football team this year. Two quarterbacks and in the NFL in general. They haven't given up fewer than 24 points in a single game. Hello. Welcome back, Jerry Judy. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Fantastic weapons cabinet for Bridgewater, who's had 20 points or more in over half of his starts so far, and now he gets the tastiest matchup of all. I love this matchup for him. I love that all his weapons are going to be on the field. I think Bridgewater is going to smash the Washington football team and is a great streamer. I That's the guy that I'm like, do I bench Aaron Rodgers for Bridgewater? I think I'm getting too cute. But, man, I'm, uh, I'm so goddamn tempted to do it. I'm not going to. I don't have the stones. I can't do it. But, man, I want to. I really fucking want to. I do think that would fall under the category of too cute. Um, must watch. We got two, and they're definitely both must watches. We want to know if Mac Jones can keep climbing. People in this area, and we both live in New England, Massachusetts specifically. Man, they love this guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we want to see if he can keep climbing. And the other one, all eyes on Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, who unexpectedly like just suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's even less from a fantasy perspective for Matt Mah Pat no, Mahomes. No, they're they're just bad. What what He's are we bad. happening there? Are they going to get it together against the Giants? I mean, talk about a good rebound spot. You should. It's the fucking Giants. 
But yeah, he's horrible. He he's tied with Zach Wilson for the NFL league in interceptions. That is insane, abysmal. And I don't know why or what's going on. Maybe he's married and that like and the I think they have a kid on the way. I, Lesson you know, to all of you: don't get married. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> if you're the best quarterback Stand prospect in the NFL or whatever, don't tie the knot. Don't It'll do it. Kill you. Kill your it's, fantasy. His value. brother Jackson Mahomes. What an absolute loser that kid is. <laughs> uh, it could be him. Who knows? Either Love way, the guy. Chiefs suck right now. So we'll see what happens there. Definitely must watch TV. And then that, Mac Jones, as you said, around here, obviously it's must watch for us Patriots fans. But even still, uh, yes, it was beautiful to see them put up 54 points. It was against the Jets. I want to see them open this offense up like they did against the Jets, against an actually good defense in the Chargers in a tough-to-win matchup. Can Mac Jones get it done? He looked the part, but again, it was against the Jets. So that's why it's Matt must-watch TVs. Finally, he gets a – I mean, he's had good tests all year, and they've kind of played so conservatively, fourth and one, kicking it and shit. They finally gave it to him against the Jets. They let him go for these things. Are they going to let that happen against the Chargers? I really can't wait to see what happens. Hey, uh, real quick before we move on to running backs, we're getting some questions. Uh, people panicking because the game's going to be starting soon, and they got some questions about uh, Packers guys were starting, Cobb, et cetera. We will definitely finish this oh, yeah. in plenty of time to get to your questions. Okay. So, oh, yeah. Out. We got watch, maybe- watch us for another maybe 15, 20 minutes, and then we're going to make sure we answer everything in the mailbag. We're moving along pretty quickly. So, absolutely. I, I we'll no, about 15, max 20 more minutes here, 15 more probably. Uh, we'll be getting to your questions by 7.50. Nice half hour to hit them all. And as always, there is the option to give us that yeah, super yeah. chat when we get started if you want a good in-depth one. But we, we always but hit don't, them don't panic. We'll get to you, I promise. We've had 100 questions at with 30 minutes left, and we've hit them all. So don't worry, guys. I appreciate your, your concern, but we will get you. We're not here to, you know, just talk and, and make you listen to us. We want to answer your No, but we do, love we, do. we do love when you listen to us. We do. All right, uh, going to running backs. Cordero Patterson. Finally, the Wolf coming along, having him on the higher list. Oh, going against Carolina. on the higher list. I always, I've, always, I've, I've always felt you haven't been as high as you should have been. And I feel like you've come around. Um, anyway, you've got him as your RB14, four spots higher than the experts. Again, we talk about that 15-point floor that he seems to have. You also really like Dearness Johnson, understandably. Uh, against Pittsburgh, you got him as your RB29, 10 spots below the experts. Now he's the second head in that two-headed running back machine in Cleveland that seems to be able to produce, you know, 100-yard rushers easily. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can outline the case for me. Carolina, quote-unquote, gives the fewest points to running backs. They haven't faced great competition. We saw Dalvin Cook expose them, and I know Patterson is no Dalvin Cook, but the appeal with him is that he also splits out wide it was great to see 14 carries to, I think it was, what, five for Mike Davis this last week, in addition to another seven, uh, another five targets there, nine targets last week. He's getting so much invaluable work, so his expected fancy points continue to climb, and that was the whole rub. Oh, you got to sell him high because it's so hyper-efficient. I kept saying, hold, 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 because the volume's going to now match it. If he's that much better than Mike Davis, we'll see those things balance out, and we are. So I expect another... 15 to 20 opportunities against, yeah, a pretty good defense, but this guy is such a big play threat. Uh, He's been in double digits every single week since week one, uh, way too low by the experts. And then Dearness Johnson, I I don't get why he is RB39. That's not even close. That's people saying, don't even consider starting this guy. I think he is very much in your RB2 flex consideration after putting up 23 last week. Yes, he was the featured back. It took 22 carries, two catches, all that stuff, but he, for damn sure, Pass that eyeball test. I mean, he looked fantastic. We told you all to start him last week. I hope you listened. And as you said, now I think he does take that Kareem Hunt role because he can catch. We talked about this over and over and over. He led 
the USF. He's the all-time record setter there for all-purpose yards, for receiving yards, for running back receptions. The guy has hands. He can catch the ball quite well. I think he's absolutely going to see, especially in, in Chubb's first game back, I bet you see, you see 15, 20 touches for this guy. Chubb was the RB5 as the, the caddy to Nick Chubb. I think De'Aaron Johnson could absolutely have top 20 numbers this week, and he should absolutely be in your consideration. So let us know. This is a name recognition thing. This is why yeah. he's not ranked higher. This is like the reason that guys like OBJ are ranked way and uh, Allen yeah. Robinson are ranked way higher than they should be. And, I mean, we're looking at, you know, someone like De'Aaron Washington running behind this just elite offensive line. We've already seen him produce once. We've already seen what this team can do with two running backs getting carries doesn't seem unreasonable that this guy should. I mean, I honestly think 29 is a little low for you, Wolf. Might I be. Probably, I've, I've thought I'd have probably said 24, 25. I mean, something like that. We'll see. All right. Guys were lower on. We touched on Antonio Gibson for obvious reasons. I mean, yeah. He's injured again. And anyway, you got him as your RB26, which seems about right going against Denver. That's five lower than the experts. Uh, and that's another one. It seems like a carryover. Uh, yeah, we thought Antonio Gibson would be awesome at the beginning of the year. He's not. We're still going to value him a little more than we should. Daryl Williams going against the Giants, RB24 below the experts. I'm more interested in your take on that one. Yeah, and it's not that I'm that against Daryl himself. Uh, the Giants is a certainly a good matchup. We saw him have two TDs just two weeks ago. I think this is going to be like the get right Pat Mahomes. Let's let this guy, we need to make him better type of game. And we just saw against Tennessee only five points, only five rush attempts with four targets. Like there is a risk if the Giants are putting up points, and I think they will against this bad defense, that Williams just gets phased out. That's kind of been the risk with this guy all year. So could you have two touchdowns and 21 points like two weeks ago? Absolutely. The Giants are a good spot for that. Could you have five points and just a pathetic, useless game? Yes, absolutely. So that's why it's less about him and more about I'd rather have Khalil Herbert, Chuba Hubbard, Eli Mitchell, Damian Harris, like guys that this guy is ranked ahead of right now. I just have him below them. Uh, and then ultimately – as we talked about, Antonio Gibson, such a risk to re-aggravate the injury. And even if not, even if he plays the full complement of snaps, has not looked nearly as explosive, has two and six across his last two games. You'd hope, you know, with Denver and then a bye week, they just rest the guy and let him kind of hopefully get himself healthy. But they're not. They're just letting him rip. And Denver, a tough matchup for anything, including running backs. I don't think he gets it done this week. Hail Mary choice, Samaji Pirine going at the Jets. Always interested in taking a shot with somebody if they're going against the Jets. You got him as your running back 33, nine spots above the experts, 18% owned. So if you want him, you could probably have him. Yeah, and I think more people should want him. I mean, this guy, this is his crazy stat, Nat. In the last two years since he's been with the Bengals, there's only been three games he's seen 11 or more carries. He's averaged almost 21 fantasy points when he sees 11 or more carries. Really? And now he gets the – yeah, it's insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, and he's had two games with 11 carries this year. They've both been above 16 fantasy points. Now you look at the Jets who have given up 36 touches to running backs so far this year because of how bad they are against the running back position. But just in general, you know, they just bleed points to the position. I imagine Mixon will have a field day. He's going to do his thing. I love Mixon. I'm five spots above ECR on him. But I think Piran comes in for second half cleanup duty, gets himself 12 to 15 carries, four to five catches, finds the end zone, tops about 60 to maybe even 100 total yards. This guy is going to have a banger of a day, in my opinion. I absolutely love him. Don't you think Joe Burrow is just going to go nuts? Yeah, probably early okay. on. And then they're just going to put put the yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that means the running backs won't get work. I'm just, as a separate thing, it kind of seems like Burrow's coming into his own. And man, he's got a, he's good, he's got a great matchup coming in. Under pressure. I don't know that there's anyone better in the NFL. He, like, he, he takes, he gets right? hit a lot, man. Mm -hmm. 
And he's just so confident in there too. It's yeah. crazy. I, I I love him. I fucking love Burrow. If All you could right. start a franchise, like how many guys would you have above Joe Burrow at this point? Pat Mahomes. I, yeah. I don't know, man. You well, all right, that's another show. All right, must watch. Yeah, we, Nick- could, we could talk about that all night. We have a lot of questions. That would be a good show. We should talk yeah, about I'll, that. I'll, call, I'll revisit it. Must watch. Yeah. Nick Chubb roll. We talked about this. The Browns backfield without Hunt. We already went into that quite a big deal. But you're also interested in Kenneth Gainwell and the Eagles backfield. Yeah, it's been a committee all year. And I don't expect that to change, but maybe it just could. We'll see. But they did give Boston Scott seven carries compared to five for Gainwell. It's been a nightmare of a situation all year. I think that'll continue, but against Detroit, even if you're a nightmare backfield, you can probably still get it done. I really like this player, so I would love to see Gainwell get 15-ish touches. Again, that's maybe a pipe dream because we didn't even see Sanders getting that type of work. But I just definitely a must-watch situation is the Eagles in general. Is Jalen Hurts going to crumble yet again? And just I, I can't wait to see what this backfield does against an easy, easy Detroit slate. One thing you can be assured of is that when that fourth quarter rolls around, oh baby, Jalen Hurts is going to rack up a lot of garbage points. All right, Rod receivers, we got about 10 minutes to go before we uh, hit the questions, guys. Give us a like if you haven't already. Uh, if you have already, thanks. Going into wide receivers, Jerry Judy going against the Washington football team. You got him as your wide receiver, 26, six above the experts. I like this call, although I'm always a little bit nervous when someone's coming off the hour for the first game. You always worry, are they going to ease him back in? But in a vacuum, I love Jerry Judy. I think that's a great call. Sterling Shep, you also referenced him when we were talking about injuries. Going against the Chiefs, man, they suck at defense. You got him as your wide receiver, wide receiver 28. That's also six spots above the experts. Both of these guys should be locked in the lineups, in my opinion. Now, granted, we don't even know that Judy will be activated. Right. But they said, a, he was, scary. they said he was healthy last week. They just wanted him to have some more practice time before activating. Well, since then, he's now had 10 days because they were the Thursday night game to get practices in. He's had a couple multiple uh, full practices in a row. He's going to be activated. And I honestly think, given how safe they've carried this out, he probably won't even be limited, in, in my opinion. The last time he was on the field, he had seven targets in the first half. He had six catches on those for 72 yards. It was looking like the wide receiver breakout of the year. The injury was so unfortunate, but what a beautiful welcome back party. As we just talked about with Teddy Bridgewater as a Hail Mary, no team has given up more passing yards, over 311 per game, nearly three passing touchdowns per game, 2.7. Most points allowed to quarterbacks, second most points allowed to wide receivers, I think Judy comes right back and sees eight to 10 targets, six to eight catches, maybe tops 100 yards and possibly finds the end zone. Business as usual. I think he's going to smash in his first return. And I think Sterling Shepard, who's seen 10 plus targets in every game, he's made it all the way through. Now he gets a Kansas City team that gives up a ton of points to everything, including wide receivers, uh, With uh, particularly with, t- especially if Tony's out, Galladay's out. If I knew those guys were out and Shepard was a lock to play, I'd probably have him at like wide receiver 15 at this point. So I definitely want him in my lineup. You can maybe put Slayton on your bench to see if if Shepard somehow doesn't play. You have a little backup plan, but after practicing today, he seems good to go. And I a hundred percent want him in my lineup. All right. You got three guys on your lower list here for wide receivers. Wolf, you're getting in a lot of material. DJ Moore at Atlanta. You got him as your wide receiver, 15, seven spots below the experts. That means the experts have him as wide receiver eight. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, Chase Claypool. No one Sam Darnold's throwing to is is should be the wide receiver eight. Chase Claypool um, going at the Browns. You got him as your wide receiver 32, six below the experts. And then LaVisca Chenault going against Seattle, 44, eight below the experts. Those are all legit picks. I, I'm really much more interested in why the experts would have DJ Moore eight. I get they're playing the Falcons, but still, the wide receiver pool is deep, man. 
Exactly. I, I mean, ultimately, more the reason why I put three on here is because even if you have more, and even if I'm lower on more this week, he's probably still in your lineup at my wide receiver 15. I might even be too high given he's had six, eight, and 10 fantasy points. The wide receiver 58, 38, and 26 across his last three games. I think wide receiver 15 is pretty generous. I do too. Granted, granted he is facing Atlanta. Could he go 25? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Um, but I am a little bit skeptical of this guy. So I just wanted to – it was like what you're saying. How is this guy wide receiver eight ahead of some crazy names like uh, wide receiver eight ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, CeeDee Lamb, Mike Williams. Mike Williams, Deontay Johnson, like Chris Godwin? You Come on. No way. I would not have DJ Moore above those guys. And then I wanted to put two guys that might actually be in consideration for your lineups. That's obviously the point of the segment to give you some guys to chew on. I mean, Uzuma last week we gave you as your, your tight end streamer. That worked out. You're welcome. Uh, I guess we're at wide receiver, though. We shouldn't be hyping ourselves up for tight ends. But Claypool, I mean, what the hell to make of this guy? The first game Juju gets knocked out, he puts up 130 yards, a TD, you know, 22 fantasy points, the wide receiver 10. Everything should be rolling right now. He gets Seattle, the fifth most points allowed to receivers, and he has two catches for 17 yards. I mean, wide receiver 82. What, what do we do with that? I don't want him in my lineup. The Cleveland's not a hard matchup. The, the Browns aren't. But this is so up and down. It is the Deontay Johnson show and then a couple Hail Marys from there. I, I, I want to emphasize the fact that Claypool is only a Hail Mary at this point, which it shouldn't be the case with Juju out there. Maybe during the bye week they scheme some volume up for the guy. But I, I would be approaching him with some pretty significant caution. I have guys like Sterling Shepard, as we talked about, uh, you know, Manny Sanders, who's ranked below him, way ahead of uh, Clay, Claypool this week. And then LaVisca Chenault. I, I get sit starts about him all the time, and I don't get why at this point. I love the player. Yeah, I, I, you know, we talked about him in the preseason quite a bit. Love the talent, but he's had above 10 points once this year one out of six times he is only the highest he's finished is wide receiver 23 he's been wide receiver 39 59 56 111 and 51 in his other games he is not good in terms of this offense we talked about him in the preseason and if you recall he was the guy that i said you were the craziest like to to be as high as you had him like he was the one guy where i was just like i don't understand this ranking from you at all and i do think you brought him down a little bit after that I still I just never understood like why people liked him so much. I just thought he was going to get that Joker role under Urban Meyer, and he hasn't. In fact, the guy that seems to be sliding into that role, we'll talk about in a second in Hail Mary's. Okay. Hail Mary, Van Jefferson uh, at Houston, understandably, 11% rostered. I mean, Houston stinks. The Rams are explosive. Jefferson's <laughs> yeah. certainly a deep threat. Uh, you also like Jamal Agnew. That's a deep cut going against there Seattle, 1% rostered. And Zach Pascal against Tennessee, 6% rostered. Yeah, Van Jefferson loved this spot for him. He sneakily has only 100 yards less than Robert Woods on the year. He's playing just as many snaps, running just as many routes, and as you said, one of the most explosive offenses. And especially if this team gets up huge early, I could see Van Jefferson doing mop-up duty with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup on the bench just kind of eating some che- eating cheese on the bench. so pissed if that happens. It could happen. I think those guys – but if that happens, Nat, I think that means Cooper Cup's already had his 150 in two. Like, okay. he's going to go nuts. But I could see Van Jefferson catching a touchdown, getting deep for sure against this pathetic Houston defense. Jamal Agnew is the one, as I refer- referenced with LaVisca Chenault, since DJ Chark went down, this guy has seen seven and six targets across the last couple of games. He is, hasn't done a ton, but eight and 10 points. 
have both been more than what LaVisca Chenault has done in that time. He's solid with the ball in his hands. Urban Meyer said during the bye week, this is a guy we have to consider how we get to him more often. I think the guy's not horrible. Seven, six targets, six catches, five targets the last, or five catches the last two weeks. That has a place in PPR leagues. If you're desperate, Seattle giving up the fifth most points to receivers, not bad. And then Pascal, just a bet. That, that's more so if Hilton misses time. Now, if Hilton plays, he did practice today, I'm not all that interested in Pascal. Should right. he miss the game, number one matchup for receivers. Pascal just always pops up for those random, like two touchdown days. If you're desperate, I could see this being one of those if Hilton misses the game. All right, must watch. We actually already talked about most of this stuff. Packers wide receivers tonight, of course. I'm, I can't wait to see what what happens if anything. Jerry Judy's return and his impact on the receiving core definitely going to be keeping an eye out for that. And the Giants wide receivers against the the you have the chefs, but I'm assuming you're probably talking about the Chiefs. I am. Um, right. So before we go into tight ends, guys, give us a like if you haven't already. We got maybe a couple more minutes, then we're going to hit the mailbag. Uh, tight ends usually go pretty fast, so exactly. smash it if you haven't already. Tight ends, uh, guy you're higher on, Gronk, good. I'm glad we're going to talk about this for a minute. Going against the Saints, coming back, eight spots abo- above the experts. You have him as your tight end three. That means the experts had him as tight end 11. If he plays, which it seems like he's going to, that just seems like an absolutely insane ranking. Yours seems right around correct to me. I mean, the two games he made it through, he had 25 and 18 fantasy points, was the tight end one clearly and far away to begin the year. He's still the tight end one in points per game. He had eight points in the first half against the Rams, and then he got hurt. This guy is a beast. Uh, Gronk has it this year. I mean, I wonder how healthy he comes back, but they seem to be taking it slow with him. Now you have no AB here, and it's not the easiest of matchups. New Orleans is good against every position, including the tight end, six fewest points allowed to tight ends. But even still, they're going to have tons of touchdowns up for grabs with no AB. I think Gronk just walks right back into 70 to 100 yards Another touchdown, maybe two. I mean, he had four touchdowns in his first two weeks when he actually played the full game. We get another full game. I think one to two spikes is certainly within his realm of possibilities. Locked in the lineups. Agree. And I mean, he's, it's not like he needs like a couple games back to get reacted with Tom Brady or something. He's only got 15 years of experience. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, Noah Font, this guy's been all over your high, higher, lower Hail Mary board this year. And I feel like we've missed on him more than we've gotten it right. Um, got him right. going against Washington. I think so. I, I mean, I haven't looked at the data, but it doesn't seem like he's ever, when we think he's going to be high, it doesn't really ever seem like he's that high. Right. Uh, but anyway, maybe we'll get lucky with lower. You got him going against Washington, tight end 10, four below the experts. I think ranking him sixth is nuts. I do too. But as you said, Nat, we, we cannot get this guy right. He's gone 14 points. We were lower on him. Four points. We were higher on him. 20 points lower. Six points higher. Like he's alternating. Okay, so I'm correct. I, so I, just, you, I feel like we never right. get him right. We can't get him right. And he's definitely on like the kind of Miles Gaskin every other week plan. So if you're following that, we should be higher on him because he only had six last week. I think Jerry Judy coming back against a team that's much weaker against receivers than they are tight ends. It's not like they're great against tight ends. They're, I think, 16th. But they're number one allowed to wide receivers. This is going to be the wide receiver show. I think Fant ends up being the odd man out. Now, granted, he could just fall right into the end zone, give it how many points they give up this. I mean, yeah, I don't have a huge case against the guy other than I just like like guys like Higby. You know, I have plus three against them, and I kind of wanted to talk about Higby, who has seen top five in terms of end zone targets among tight ends, only one touchdown to come out of those. But Houston's given up the most touchdowns to tight end, the most fantasy points to tight ends. That's a guy I'd rather have in my lineup. Noah Fant this week, plus three ECR on him. 
All right. Hail Mary, Tommy Sweeney going against Miami, 2% rostered. If you're anything like me and probably the rest of America, you're thinking, who the hell is Tommy Sweeney? Is he a football player? Like, <laughs> He is, sure is. He's Dawson Knox's backup. And the coaches said, we hope this guy steps up. We expect him to step up. He, it's some athleticism to this guy, bumbling idiot. But the, the bet is really <laughs> that, he, that he's going to play the Dawson Knox role, which is I'm going to lead the NFL in touchdowns right now. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Matt, Miami's bad against everything, including tight ends. Wouldn't be shocked at all to see Tommy Sweeney haul in a touchdown against this pathetic team. Last but not least, Dalton Schultz is our must-watch uh, with Michael Gallup back. Kyle Pitts every week, of course, now that he's been clicking. And Uzuma. Love watching Uzuma. Yeah, I'm just excited to see the Bengals in general, but also what is Uzuma's role within this offense? Can he have another big week? Kyle Pitts is just so fun to see this guy. His role continues to expand, and he hasn't even hit his ceiling, which is crazy. And then Dalton Schultz dominating target share, but is that going to continue to be the case with Gallup back? If so, you know you have a locked-in top seven tight end rest of the season. If not, fuck, you should have sold him while he was high. Thanks to everybody that, one, just being here and asking questions. We really appreciate it, but especially you that supported the site shared out some super chats that means the world uh, to help us continue to grow Wolfpack. It is so appreciated. Best of luck tonight. Let's go Aaron Rodgers. Let's put up some points, baby. Uh, hopefully Randall Cobb, although you guys asking about that, you guys are the best. Thanks so much again for being here. If you're new here and you haven't already hit that subscribe button would mean the world to continue to grow that pack. Bell tells you when we're live to get the bell gang notifications up. Y'all the fucking legends. Thanks, boy. You're the fucking legend, Yash. Thank, Thank you. you for being here. Very great interaction all around. Love to see the chat helping each other's out there. Awesome stuff. Oh, and five bucks from Omar. Getting some good luck for Tanyan with that $5. Let's go, baby. I hope so. Thanks again, guys. So important the site. Gained a sub from Yash. You're a legend, too. Cobb or Myers? I'm going Myers. You're going Cobb, you said, right? I think this one's already probably too I late. I think I'm going Cobb. Yeah. I would go Myers. But, yeah, I mean, the number one for Rodgers. It's, it's a very fair argument. Thanks again, though, guys. Sub if you haven't already and you liked what you saw and you want to be here live for all the rest we do. You guys are the best Wolfpack. RosaryJournal.com is where we breed and feed you fantasy wolves, the rest of our content. Find us there. You can find us on the podcast, Fantasy Fullback Dive. And I'm the wolf. I'm the truth. And the wolf of the fantasy sheep, guys. Be that wolf. Later. Now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd. And take our final bow. football right there folks